What do coaches need? Have you ever asked that question? Has somebody ever asked that of you? Depending on who you ask that question, you're gonna probably get a variety of answers. If you ask administrators or boosters, they might say better facilities, equipment. If you ask fans, they might say talent or tactical systems, strategies. If you ask coaches, they might say a raise, <laughs> decent pay, or job security. Those things all might be true. All those things might be helpful for us. But when I reflect on the challenges that coaches face from my own experience and the coaches that I know at all levels and in all sports, I think of two things. Coaches need coaching and coaches need support. First, we are put into positions of influence and responsibility and we're not given coaching. I'm not talking about another online coaching course mandated by your school or your sports governing body. I'm talking about someone who can coach you on a variety of tools, methods, and skills so you can improve as a leader. Secondly, we are put into a highly public and criticized position. It comes with a lot of stress and traditionally we're not given support, at least not a lot of it. In fact, anybody that's a head coach knows it is lonely you often feel like you are on an island. Now in today's episode, we're gonna talk about from our perspective at TOC Culture Consulting, how coaches don't need more clinics, more books, or more online courses. Coaches need something more. They need coaching, they need support, and they need relationships with people that care. Welcome to the Coaching Culture Podcast. My name is JP Nurbin, and I am joined by my friend and co-host Nate Sanderson. I founded TOC Culture Consulting, formerly known as Thrive on Challenge, almost six years ago. At TOC, we support and coach leaders who aspire to impact lives and build extraordinary team cultures. You can learn more about our mentorship program, community, and retreats at TOCculture.com. JP, welcome back to the podcast. Excited about this week's episode because we're going to try something a little bit different, and that is we're going to take you uh, down memory lane and tell a story, uh, one that we haven't really unpacked with a lot of detail on the podcast, even though we've been doing this for well over 200 episodes now. We're going to go back in time, and we're going to learn a little bit about the origins of Thrive on Challenge. Now, there's a couple of reasons why we want to take you down this journey with us, and one of them is... A couple of years ago, I was part of a, a church vision planning committee. And so we had brought this consultant in. It was a church that I'd been going to for about six months or so. We had been involved in a variety of different things in the church, but didn't really have a, a sense of the history of how the church came to be doing what it was doing at the time. And so when I got drafted for this committee, one of the things that we did is we spent about four hours with about 20 people who had been some with the church since the very beginning, the first small group that ever got together 20 years ago, and some like me that had just started coming here recently. And we put butcher block paper all the way across the wall in this place that we were meeting and built a timeline. And we started from day one, the first small group meeting, all the way up until 2019, whatever the date was, and talked about the significant events and the growth of the vision for the church from the beginning until the present. 
after going through this exercise, one of the things that dawned on me was that we had a pretty good understanding of what the church did. A lot of our activities, a lot of our investment in community, but we never really understood the why. We never really understood the roots of where the vision came from to produce what was being done today in our church body. And as you and I have talked, I think that TOC has evolved over the course of the last four or five years from the seeds of a vision that you had early on into offering a lot of things that maybe people are aware that we do now, whether it's mentorship or community or retreats, but not necessarily understanding kind of why do we do what we do? And that's more or less what we want to get into in our story here today. Now, JP, I think where we want to start this story is just talking a little bit about where did this idea of building something different for coaches come from? Now, I've kind of been on the outside of TOC for the first couple of years, and then you brought me on the podcast, and now I'm kind of on the inside doing some mentorship and obviously being part of the, part of the podcast and retreats and that sort of thing. And the one thing that stands out to me about the work here is that it is so different from kind of traditional coaching education. You know, I've been in coaching for 20 years and for most of my career, when you're told by your athletic director at the end of the year, they want to know what your development plan is. Typically, that means what clinics are you going to? Uh, what books are you going to read? Where are you going to go to find resources to help you become a better coach? And I think, JP, one of the things that you've tapped into here is that the need for coaches today isn't just for more resources, more videos to watch, more things to read, more strategies and activities and set plays and whatever it might be. What coaches really need are connection. They need relationship and they need somebody to walk alongside them that can both understand their situation and perhaps give some guidance along the way consistently rather than just what we might get from one person in a 60-minute presentation at a clinic. So let's start there. Where did this vision, this idea come from? And what were kind of the early days like for you, JP, starting TOC? If I was honest, Nate, I kind of just stumbled into it, just like I stumbled into an experience that was really transformational for me. Back in 2016, I like many coaches was probably looking to make a change in my team's culture, you know, develop the, the character of my players and leadership. I've talked about some of that journey before on the podcast, but instead of going to the next, you know, character course or curriculum or just attending the next clinic, I, I picked up a book, burn your goals by Joshua Medcalf and Jamie Gilbert. And I did something different. I actually reached out to one of the authors. I reached out to Jamie Gilbert and that led to a phone call that led then to a relationship and working with Jamie in a somewhat similar capacity that now I've ended up working with coaches. Um, it was huge for me. It was huge to have someone offer, yes, some new ways of doing things that I hadn't picked up in any other clinic or, or resource before but also just someone that really listened and understood and, and got to know me and then was able to provide um, some guidance along that journey, knowing my circumstances within my team and also within my own self. Now, as, as impactful as that experience was, it never gave me the idea that I wanted to actually go and do that for other people. I don't know why that didn't enter my, my conscious thought, but in January of that season, 
um, I started to blog. I just started to write about it, my experiences, just to share with other coaches. And I guess probably for the same reasons, I never actually thought about you know doing what Jamie did for me and doing that for other people. Uh, I had fears about even writing a blog. Like, who was I to write a blog, right? But I started writing this blog, just sharing my experiences, sharing my learnings. Um, and it really resonated with a lot of coaches. Um, that led to me wanting to start the podcast and, and kind of being put in this weird um, change in my own life where we had moved from Tennessee. We kind of uprooted our family and moved to Pennsylvania for my wife's job. Um, it was you know, a good opportunity for her. And she said, hey, I know it's going to take time for you to probably land where you'd like to be at a school that you'd like working at and to be able to coach at a place that you like coaching. Um, and so I kind of said, hey, well, why don't I just take some time? I'll keep writing. I'll keep learning and working on myself. I'll start this podcast and just you know, continue to share my journey with other coaches. And while I'm doing that, maybe I can do some workshops for other, for other coaches. I can go in there and work with their team and, and do that. And so that's kind of initially how TOC started was you know, the podcast, the blog, and just kind of doing these workshops for teams. And I remember having this one experience where I was working with a Division III uh, women's college team in, in uh, Pennsylvania, central Pennsylvania. And I, I went in and I did the workshop. The workshop went really well. Like the, the, the players were receptive. You know, we set the standards. We set the vision. We did all these type of things. Um, but the best part about that trip for me was the follow-up with the coaches afterwards. We went out for dinner. We sat down. We talked about all the players. And I got to learn more about the program. I got to learn more about those individuals. And I got to learn more about the coaches and just be able to understand their stories. and. You know, we followed up a couple times throughout the year, and those calls were just really valuable, I think, for those coaches. And so while that workshop was great, I thought it went well. At the end of the day, for me, it's connecting with these coaches, supporting these coaches that I initially just kind of was drawn to. And as I continued to put out more podcast episodes, many of these you know, the listeners started to reach out, and we'd have email conversations. And uh, occasionally I have phone calls and there's two very special people I'd have to have to mention on, on this episode. And they're a coach out of Idaho named Tyler Pearson, another one from Wisconsin, uh, coach Kevin Orr, who's been mentioned on this podcast many numerous times. They're still active TOC community members and, and involved in the mentorship program and just incredible people. And those two people I think are really responsible early on because they're the first people that made a commitment to consistently start checking in with me and hopping on calls and really allowing me to pour into them and support them on their coaching journey. And through my experience of, of working with coaches like Kevin and Tyler, I realized that I wanted to provide something that I always knew I needed. Like in my toughest moments as coach, as a coach, when maybe I was down on myself or when I was facing a huge issue. And I just needed potentially that outside sounding board uh, to help me come to a decision that was in line with my values and what I stated as my purpose and my mission from the beginning of that season. Um, like I wanted to provide that. And, and that's where I just instantly said, you know what, these team workshops, while, while I, I do find those type of things to be valuable, they weren't what I felt called to do 
and my work. And so I just started to pour everything into how can I better serve coaches through this mentorship coaching type relationship uh, that I kind of just stumbled into. JP, I can relate in a lot of ways to what you're talking about here, because I think over the course of my 20 year career, the thing that I've always wanted is somebody that's alongside me on the journey. And I think back to when I started, you know, that person for me was my wife. She was a high school athlete. She was around the team a lot. She kept stats. She made dinner for team dinners. You know, she was a de facto part of the coaching staff. And so after games, I went to my wife after practices, I'd just talk through how things went, you know, with my wife. And eventually after a few years, you know, we had the conversation of, is there anything else we can talk about in our marriage besides basketball? Like it wasn't, it, it wasn't necessarily the healthiest role for us in our marriage because it, there didn't seem to be the right boundaries between, you know, our relationship and basketball, especially in season. And then we started having kids and my wife just wasn't having it, you know? Well, after my wife officially resigned as my basketball therapist, I looked for another outlet, you know, and I, I think some years, JP, you've got assistant coaches that want to hang around after practice and talk about how things went. They want to go out for dinner after games and talk about what you were thinking and what they were thinking and what can we do differently and how do we have to, you know, address certain problems in practice the next day. But we don't always have assistants that are like that. And so, you know, I was fortunate that I had a couple of really good friends in the league when I came to Springville and started talking to Coach Wheatley and Coach Monk probably two, three, four times a week after our games, we would always talk on the phone. Oftentimes the three of us would get on a conference call and our drives home, but there were limitations to that. You're not going to share certain things and they're certainly not going to see all of the interworkings of what's going on in your program. And now JP, if you fast forward on my timeline, you know, being involved with DOC over the last three or four years and having the opportunity to mentor a number of coaches, I think the thing that that we provide or the thing that I was missing that I see other coaches really responding to is simply having somebody that's there that can be a sounding board and also can share some experiences that can offer some perspective, but that doesn't really have a horse in the race. You know, it's not quite the same as talking to your spouse. It's not the same as an assistant coach. It's not the same as talking to a, another peer, you know, in your conference or your athletic director. It, it's somebody that has a wide breadth of experience, uh, but also a neutrality that, that can offer a listening ear that just, it, it's different. I, I think it's different than anything that you find anywhere else. You know, and when I, again, go back to what we shared in the opener here, most coaches, when they are struggling with a parent rebellion or difficult teammates on their team, or they're struggling through a difficult part of the season, they don't need another book to read, that they don't need, you know, more clinic notes they need a human being. They need a relationship where somebody's just going to walk with them through the fire, both helping them and supporting them, because it's just so rare to have those consistent relationships. Kenny, I think there's really three things that I work at, you know, very intentionally to provide uh, for the coaches and the leaders that I support. And, and one of those is to coach coaches on these practical tools and strategies that can improve the relationships relate raise the standards. Like, you know, I, I try to tell coaches, they don't need to read as many books as I do. It's my job to go out there and try to gain some level of expertise through reading, through interviewing people on this podcast, as well as 
being able to just work with so many different teams and so many different circumstances, I'm able to lean on other experiences, not just from my own experience as a coach, because, and honestly, that's very, very limited in some of the coaches I work with that have been coaching 30 plus years, you know, it's so being able to have all these variety, wide variety of experiences uh, of having worked with so many coaches is something I try to share with the coaches I work with. And, and the second thing is that, that, that sounding board uh, that is so unique. You said it there, but it's just so often the problems that we're having as coaches are the, the coaches, the assistant coaches in our program, or, you know, they're just so emotionally tied to this player or, you know, they're involved in a little bit of the drama. It's just so important to have that sounding board um, to help troubleshoot as issues come up and to coach coaches through those moments of how to have those difficult conversations with an assistant, with a parent, using the tools that we talk about. And lastly, for me, I would say the thing that I probably did not really anticipate or expect out of this was the relationships that I, that I would form, you know, and, and I, I'm fortunate uh, to know many of the coaches and leaders I support to know their families um, at a personal level of to, to have been able to go and do workshops with their teams, to know their players. And, um, but just to be able to walk with those people, uh, it, it's been hugely uh, gratifying, fulfilling for me, um, and absolutely not something I guess I really ever planned on since, since the start. Now, JP, a word that we keep throwing around here in this conversation is mentorship. And we don't want this to be a commercial. This isn't about making sales, but for somebody that's listening that maybe isn't familiar or maybe doesn't know exactly what that even looks like, what have you tried to build when it comes to a mentorship program here at TOC? What does that mean? Well, Nate, I think you've seen a little bit about how that's evolved over the years. I mean, initially it was just one-on-one weekly calls, right, with coaches to support them and just talk through things. And now we've added so many different elements of that to make our time more efficient and more valuable. So now on those calls, we, we put together notes. You know, sometimes they're really detailed. You know, sometimes they're very short, but just kind of an action items or a plan for things that coaches could work on. But then also we started to right, we started to see that coaches were facing similar challenges or they needed some of these strategies. And so we created other documents that we could link with that and share with coaches these resources amongst the community um, so that we weren't having to maybe walk through the exact same kind of ideas every call. And so more of our conversation is how to apply maybe these, some of these strategies or how to apply some of these tools that, that we talk about even on this podcast or that you might come across in you know, my book, for instance. So it's really our, our focus on the call has really become um, you know, connecting, but also you know, talking about some of the things that have gone on in the past week and then planning for the future is what we really try to do. But at the same time, you know, I, I think there is a, a constant back and forth um, through text or phone call throughout the week. And, you know, me and you have had some late, late night calls from some coaches as they've, the crisis has come down and whether it be a parent issue, players um, having an issue there, they're in an accident, you know, it's different things that have come across and we are just try to be as available as possible for coaches to, to help them you know, maybe just be able to vent, to be able to talk through some of those issues. So, I mean, that's at the real, the core of that mentorship, you know, and there's a whole other community aspect I know we'll talk a little bit about later. And you know, the thing is, Nate, like, I, I think 
when people hear that, they might say, well, wow, that's a lot. That's, that's, that's really, maybe it's special, or maybe that's just really intense. But at the end of the day, I, I really truly believe that's what we need as coaches in a profession that you know, takes its toll on us as well as a one that we care about. We want to be exceptional at, and, you know, for years I wanted to be athletic director, but then I realized athletic directors don't actually help develop coaches, you know? And so, you know, it's kind of funny how I've landed in this. And, and now in the last, you know, year alone, as, as this has grown and as I've tried to, you know, replicate myself and get other people to work with other coaches in a mentorship role, and people have been open and receptive to that, for me, I feel like for the first time, and I, and I shared this with you recently, but the, I feel like for the first time in this five, six year journey, I actually have a clarity of my vision of what we're trying to create here. And, and that is that every coach in the world could have a mentor, you know, and it doesn't necessarily even be through TOC. I, I'm, I'm working with a few other organizations to help them to do what we're doing because I believe so much that this is the way forward for coaches, you know? And I think maybe 20 years ago, that was 25 years ago. It was like, Oh, the idea of a strength and conditioning coach was, or a, you know, a sports psychologist was, was, was strange, was weird, was different. My hope is that this idea around coach, you know, coach mentorship or coaches, having coaches, whatever we want to call that, you know, that that has become normalized and honestly a line in the budget of every team out there, you know, like it's just, this is expected. We need support for our coaches. And so that's really, you know, my vision and my heart for, for what we're doing moving forward. I think JP, in addition to that, one of the things that's been cool to see is how the list of clients has grown over the years, but also has sort of evolved into a community here at TOC. And that's something that we've been a lot more intentional about over the last couple of years is trying to find ways for those that are in the mentorship community or those that have attended a retreat to be able to connect with each other and share you know, from their own experiences. And I know, you know working with 10 or 12 guys during this basketball season, there are times where if one is struggling with a particular issue, whether it's leadership on their team or a parent issue or issue with an administrator, it's been great to be able to say, hey, let's hop on a call with this other person that I've worked with who's also been through that, just to share their experiences a little bit. And I can't tell you how affirming, even in the midst of crisis, it can feel knowing that someone else has gone through this thing and to, that can empathize with what that feels like, you know? And so um, whether it's through our group me that we have, you know, 40 or 50 coaches in that can post challenges that they're having or insights that they're coming across or getting onto small group calls, I think it's been awesome to see the relationships grow, not just between the mentor and the mentee, but even among uh, those in the community that are building some of those friendships uh, along the way. When I hear you talk there, Nate, I just think about how valuable that would have been for me, you know, 10 years ago, when I used to think that I was the only guy out there that was running into these problems. And I felt like a real idiot, you know, like I was almost embarrassed or, you know, to, to, to even think about sharing that with another coach. Um, and maybe that's a little bit of the, the way I'm wired. Now, Nate, you've been a frequent speaker on the coaching clinic, you know, circuit there for, for many years. And in fact, that's actually how we met. We, we met at a coaching clinic and got to spend some quality time together and, and connect, which, which led to you eventually coming on the podcast. But, you know, being a speaker at all these coaching clinics and having attended so many all around the country, you've had a different vision 
from the first time we met for something, something different, something special. Well, JP, over the years, I've been fortunate to be able to speak in a lot of different clinics with a lot of different organizations and full disclosure. I love teaching at clinics. I mean, it's just one of my, my favorite things to do. But at, at the same time, I realized there's just a limitation to your effectiveness as a clinician or even as an attendee at a, at a sports-specific clinic. One of the things that I've realized over the course of my career here is that the majority of the problems that I have faced as a coach are not about my sport. Like I, I don't typically end up in crisis because I don't have an effective baseline out of bounds play or press break or late game defense or what have you. There's a million places to find those things. Coaches love talking about those things. Those are easy problems to fix and typically don't cause me the most stress. What causes the most stress is conflict and disgruntled parents and administrators that aren't supportive and players that don't get along and assistant coaches that aren't bought in. You know, you can go down the line of the things that are stressors for coaches. And most of the time, it's about people rather than their sport. And so when I go to these clinics and present at clinics, and I'm often asked to present on things that have to do with the game of basketball, rather than things that have to do with culture and interpersonal relationships and leadership. So it's always been on my heart, JP, is to create something for coaches that provides some kind of education or content related to the things that cause the most stress. And that's developing leaders. It's solving conflict. It's creating a transformational culture within your program. And so as we started talking at that coaching conference that we were at, it, it became clear to me that that's something that's missing, that maybe we could do something different. Now, another experience that really impacted me it was about 10 or 15 years ago, I was doing a master's degree online through Gonzaga University. And one of the courses that I took required the class to fly out to California and spend a week living in a monastery. Gonzaga is a Jesuit program. And so there was this class that you used kind of that experience, the experiential learning of being part of that monastic lifestyle for a week as a metaphor for community and organizational development. It was a fascinating way to learn because it created a real experience that you were going through with other people and then use that to launch all kinds of incredible conversations and applications to whatever aspect of life like we were coming from in this class. And so when you and I started talking about, gosh, could we do something different than the typical coaching conference? That was always in the back of my mind. Is there a way that we could introduce experiential learning rather than sitting and receiving information as most clinics are to just to make it more interesting, more engaging, and more meaningful for those that were able to attend? And how did that sort of came the vision for the TOC Transformational Leadership Retreat. And I think one of the third benefits that we've experienced and was kind of my hope for the retreat was that people would build relationships, you know, and quality relationships. And it's hard to do that over Zoom or phone when we're kind of doing some of these group calls. I mean, I've seen it in my own work with coaches. There's something significantly special when I get to go visit a coach, his team, meet his family and stuff like that. It just really has been one of the best things that I can do to build a relationship with that coach. Well, here we could bring other coaches together and they're going to get to be in the same room together. They're going to get to experience things. They're going to have really meaningful conversation. 
they're going to laugh a lot. We, I think we laughed more the last two retreats than we ever thought we would, you know, and so I think that isn't our benefit from it. Um, one of the challenges I think that people come to this retreat is there's a lot of like mystery. I think every, every year there's some brave souls that really don't actually ask us a lot of questions about what they're signing up for. They just go for it. They sign up for it. But I understand that everybody's not wired like that to just kind of go for it. Um, so why don't you kind of lay out a little bit about what this retreat entails? JP, I think there's four things that we've tried to really weave into the retreat experience over the last couple of years. So one of them is simply the content that we're trying to offer coaches is different than anything you are going to find anywhere else. And our, our vision here is to help coaches become transformational leaders. And so we try to provide both a philosophy of how do we think about our role as coaches, along with some practical tools about how do we go out and implement and what are some strategies that we can use just to have more impact, lifelong impact on the athletes that we're working with. We've talked about personality. We've talked about brain science. We've talked about dealing with players that are bringing trauma into your gym. You just don't find this anywhere else. Another component of what we've tried to create here is the opportunity to interact with people who are like-minded. And I don't mean that think alike, but who are driven by that same purpose to share our experiences, to share our challenges, to share our applications of that content to our specific context when we get back to our teams and back to our schools. And you know whether that's through small group conversations at the retreat, this past year, we did a lot of partner walks where we would process the content you know, and, and just ask people to go walk up into the mountains together for 15, 20 minutes and share what impacts them. How do they see that impact in the relationships with their players? We try to be really intentional about facilitating the relationships that you talked about before. A third component there is the idea of experiential learning. This past year, as an example, we did about a half a dozen activities with the, those that were at the retreat that you could take back and do with your teams. But rather than just give them a curriculum plan with a step-by-step process, we actually immerse them in the experience, the same team building experiences that we would use to bring a team together. We use on those that attend the retreat to facilitate, again, some of that sharing, that comfort level, um, and build almost a unique culture, even within the group over the course of the two or three days that we're together. And then the last thing, JP, that I think is so unique, you know, is that when you go to a conference or you go to a clinic, it often feels like information overload. We're just overcome with you know, a million different things that coaches are doing that other coaches are using to be successful. And there really isn't space to just get away and to reflect. And so we've been really intentional about where we've chosen to host the retreat up in the mountains, north of Park City, Utah, where there's not a lot of lights. There's not a lot of people around. There's places to go hiking. There's places to find some solitude. There's places to just reflect away from your phone, away from the demands of every day, away from the responsibilities of home life and school life and all that comes with being a head coach. And just to maybe rest and listen and reflect. And I can't tell you how in today's world that is so unique and so difficult to find if you're not intentional about saying, I'm going to make space. I'm going to carve out a couple of days just to quiet my mind and to think about where have I come from? And where do I want to go? And those are the things that we really tried to provide in the retreat experience. Nate, I'm so glad you mentioned that because that's what we work so hard at to provide that experience uh, from the second the coaches arrive. I mean, we pick 
them up from the airport and we bring them back to the airport at the end of the retreat. The food and accommodation, they're all taken care of. It's just meant to be a relaxing, stress-free experience for coaches. And I, I look forward to it every year. Now, Nate, there's one more personal story I want to share today. I mentioned earlier Uh, In this episode, after reading that book, Burn Your Goals, I had a call with Jamie Gilbert, the author, and then joined his group mentorship program. What I left out, though, was how a high school basketball coach and teacher in the South (laughs) actually made the time and financial commitment. Like coaches, teachers, uh, they don't have a lot of time and they have even less money than they have time. So I nervously approached our principal. I walked right into his office, handed him a copy of the book, and you know, told him how I read this book and I wanted to be a better leader um, so I could be a better teacher and coach and that this author of the book had this program where he worked with leaders um, and that I thought it would be great for some professional development and would the school be willing to pay for it? And I was kind of shocked by his, uh, his response. And his response was, absolutely. I tell that story because without a doubt, the majority of our coaches in the mentorship program or those who attend the retreat The majority of them, regardless of their level, high school, college, or professional level, have had a very similar conversation with their boss, their principal, their athletic director, or or a booster of the program. And they get a very similar response. People are willing to invest in their people when they see them take initiative to better themselves. And that's been really affirming. Um, And the amazing thing, here's the amazing thing, is that most of these institutions, they are making this now part of their budget for professional development for the coach every single year. And that's really, really encouraging. And I share that story because if you visit our website and you look at the different options that we have for the retreat and the mentorship program, you might really want to do it. You might feel that there's benefit in it and this is just what you need, but you probably will have the same response that I had, which was, There's no way that my spouse will ever let me pay for this, right? And you are probably right. But your leadership might, the leadership at your your school or organization or or whoever you work for. Now, if the mentorship program is of interest to you, you can go to tocculture.com to schedule a call or or to get on our waiting list. If you go to tocculture.com forward slash retreats, you can get more information on our retreats. Uh, Nate and I have uh, put links in the details of this episode for both the mentorship program and the retreat, uh, as well as our emails, if you just wanna send over some questions. And I'll, I'll leave everybody with this today. Regardless of whether we hear from you or not, my hope is that you find, or already have, the coaching and the support that you need and deserve as someone who is in an important position of responsibility and influence. I hope you have that or you get that because I truly believe that every coach needs that.